Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show with Tamara Gondor. That is me. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you to our community. I got to tell you, I was looking at the downloads before I logged on for this interview that I'm about to do, which is going to be incredible. And I was shocked at how they've accelerated, like how many people are downloading, where downloading from across the globe. I knew we were doing well. I didn't know we were doing that well. I've been so focused on the interviews that I hadn't had a chance to actually look at the numbers today. So thank you to all of you new listeners, the listeners who have been here, who are sharing it with people. And hey, here's my request. If you're listening to one of our interviews, one of our everyday innovators, and you get a nugget out of it, or you think, you know what? I know someone who would really love this. I would share it with one or two people. I like to see that as a round of applause for our incredible guests, but also don't be selfish. Don't keep that stuff to yourself. Like let's, let's go share it with the world with other people. So thank you to all of you. Like I said, I was a little bit surprised at how many downloads we've had. So with that, let's get on to today's interview because I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest's everyday innovator style so that you can hear for it when you are listening to this interview. And as I always say, listen with two ears. Ear one is for yourself and how you innovate and how maybe you can add value and disrupt. And then the other one is about the people around you and how maybe they do it a little differently than you. I think you'll hear some things that maybe reflect you, but you might hear some things that reflect other people as well. And that'll help you connect and communicate with them too. So Justin is an instinctual futuristic. The instinctual side is all about kind of a more circuitous thought pattern. So it's like A to B to X over to Y, back over to A. So while the rest of us might be a little bit more linear, A to B to C, instinctuals are kind of all over. But because of that, they tend to connect dots in new and meaningful ways and find patterns and connections and things that the rest of us often don't see. They tend to be very from the gut, right? And from the heart, because they experience it, they believe it, and then have to work backwards into the logic. But there's a lot of insight and pattern in that instinctual. And then the futuristic side is all about the forest through the trees. So futuristics are all about Tomorrowland, right? It's all about today's problems or tomorrow's opportunities. You know, a futuristic, because they tend to always be 10 steps ahead. At least they definitely are of me because my everyday innovator star is very tangible and in the moment. And um, futuristics tend to kind of leap ahead. So the magic in that combination of instinctual and futuristic is bringing connective and forward innovation to the table. That's kind of the thinking pattern, the styles and what they bring. So with that said, Justin, Welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thank you. Thanks for having me tomorrow. When I did that that uh, test and I got the results back, it was pretty fun uh, to see that connection because a lot of people pick on me for all these crazy ideas and not being able to line things up. But in the end, this is me, everybody. So uh, I'm Justin McGonick and I'm a trusted brand advisor for leaders of organizations that are going through change. And it's usually related to their brand and communications and who they serve. Um, but we really work from the inside out with our organization. So it's 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 getting clarity uh, within the organizations on what is it that they're doing and for whom. Uh, many of the organizations we work for just don't understand 
what is the client or the member that you serve the most and how do we get more of them? So our job is really to kind of take them back a little bit and help them understand like, this is the person. Now let's figure out how we find more of those and grow that community. So um, I'm a graphic designer by trade, started my business out of college, uh, a little bit of being naive and not knowing what I was doing, but my father had owned a John Deere implement in a small farming community. So a little bit of that business is in my blood and I just kind of jumped right at it. And about 25 years later, here we are and uh, we've grown. And um, the people that we serve are association executives uh, of trade associations, uh, nonprofits, and a lot of professional services, uh, helping them grow their, their organizations. And let me ask you a question. You had said, as you were sharing that story, that you were naive and kind of didn't know, right? Like kind of what you were doing, but went for it. How do you think, or did you think that that naiveness actually helped you take the leap and and do the, and build the business? I think it, like knowing what I know now about growing the business and helping other organizations, I probably wouldn't have taken that leap. So not knowing that and just jumping into it and embracing the unknown, having fun, also kind of making a lot of mistakes. I've I've made Tamara share of mistakes that both financially and you, you name it that have, have made me really learn from, uh, but not knowing and also being super curious and just like, let's go for it, I think really helped me um, drive the, my business forward. Of those mistakes, which one's your favorite and what lesson? Oh you get? my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tend to not be the best with money. Um, so I I probably don't do the forecasting fast enough or do some of those thoughtful uh, uh, decisions. So having having a trusted advisor next to me that can do that is very helpful. Um, I'd say my biggest mistake was starting another business. And I don't think starting that business was another mistake, but it took me away from my focus of my organization. and. Even though at the time that was, I feel still the right choice, I was too small and I got distracted and I didn't focus on my clients. I wasn't focusing on my team. So I just, I just lost focus. And that was, that was about a four to five year setback of rebuilding, but that's, that's my biggest mistake. So I will tell you that people who have futuristics as part of their power trigger have incredible strength in seeing in the future, the, the challenge that they sometimes face, which you were just articulating is they'll jump to the next thing because they're always looking ahead, right? Everything's like, what's next? What's next? And sometimes that core, right? Or whatever you do is so important, but it's, and, and I, I'm a risk taker, so I love to leave. So it's, it's a little frustrating for the people around me who always want me to like, slow it down, think about what we need to actually get done where I'm like, but here's what's next. So it's like this challenge and kind of a blessing of like looking to the future. Yeah, we implement EOS. And so when I, my integrator told me that I'm the visionary, obviously, but half my ideas are more than I think like 90% of them are bad ideas. So having that other person next to you, that integrator to go like, yeah, thanks. Great. We're not going to do that one. But this nugget is has got some potential. So here's what I'm going to say about what you just said too, Justin, that I want to point out for everybody. Um, I love ideas. I'm in the space of ideas, but not every idea is a good idea and not every idea should be moved forward. So we should have all the ideas but then we should filter those ideas and be okay with that. I think sometimes we get too attached to our own ideas. Like don't call my baby ugly when really we should just be like, yeah, it's ugly. Like, let's just call it what it is. It's ugly. Right. And move on. Um, but like you and I, even though we have a lot of ideas, we have to have other, it's good. Trust other people to say, nah, that's, that's not a good one. Move on to the next one. So. 
Well, I was just talking about from one of the interviews from last week about um, knowing who your naysayers are versus your supporters and people who support you are the one who really truly support you are the ones who are willing to say to you, no, tomorrow. That is not what you're going to be doing because that is horrible. Or here's a big hole that you didn't think about. So it's actually good to have those people around you. What is something that you are proud of or a recent win? Uh, so I got that question earlier and I kept thinking of things, uh, projects, but number one, it just comes down to my team. I'm just most proud of my people, uh, you know, COVID, uh, uh, bumps in the business, uh, seeing a lot of my team members grow over the years. Uh, that's been the thing that I'm most proud of. And then a lot of the leaders that we're working with, they're taking their organizations through huge change, like so much difficulty leading boards and and employees and making transitions with their team internally that that's who I'm most proud of is to be able to be to help them and and in so many different ways but then see them grow and see the organization grow um and I'm lucky because a lot of my my team my employees and also a lot of our clients have been with us for 10 plus years so we've got this longevity and uh uh almost a bigger community built uh over that time was there a way when you're talking about kind of your team growing and helping them and, and your clients as well, was there any way that they needed help or found growth that surprised you as their leader? Uh, wow. That's a fabulous question. Um, I think it's, it's business aside. It's, it's marketing design aside. It's having some tough conversations about their people um, and how to help their people and even let people go. Um, those have been some of the, probably the most surprising, but, uh, uh and it's come, comes down to a, a culture, like getting the right team together, uh, is very important. So I think having tough conversations about how to help their people in whatever way, shape or form that is. So, and I, you can't be trained in that. I think that just happens over time. So a lot of listening, a lot of really good listening. Um, so one of the things that I've come to realize in my almost 30 years, I think, of business yeah. is, I know, wow, <laughs> what? is that um, sometimes the people who are A players at one level of, of a work of a team are not the A players, especially when big growth happens. Um, not because they're not good, but they play really well at one level or one space, and then you're going to a new place. And the business needs to grow, right? You need to grow, but not everybody should move up or, or over with you. That's been my experience anyway. And some of those people I've had to let go and help them find a place where they're, they could be that A player. It just wasn't going to be where we were headed. And I'm curious from your perspective, how do you think about identifying or what, what, what traits do you think it takes for the people who kind of can move up or over with you versus the ones that really do need to move aside? Uh, they have to be on comfortable being uncomfortable like growth is all about change and like constant change and and i think you have to be curious like open um we were talking a little bit about having an integrator being able to tell me no for some of my ideas you need those people around you too to uh help guide and 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 help you and tell you the things you don't want to hear but are really going to help you long term um but I think number one is curiosity and just a desire to learn and grow um, and make mistakes and have fun doing it. You know, there's an opportunity around every corner and every moment's kind of a teaching moment. So 
you know, it's hard to see sometimes, but. So I like what you just said about kind of being willing to grow. I do think when I've seen those people who can't or are unwilling, I don't know if they can't, unwilling to change or they're not, they don't seem to change. Um, I think it's more of resisting the new than it is about what could be their innate skills um, than it is about anything else. But I really have found over the years, like, it's okay that it, that when the business or the team changes, that some of the people that you started with who were amazing when you started don't evolve with the business. And that's okay for them. And it's okay for you if you recognize it. Otherwise, everybody's frustrated. Um, I think it's okay to let person let go or let them go and help find that next mentor or the next leader to help get them to that next place as well. So I agree with you, but I think that's what we as humans and as leaders struggle with is because we feel bad, right? Like they were an A player at one point. So, and I have a colleague who's experiencing this with a manager in their office who just was awesome when the team was small and the work was simple, but the work's gotten bigger and slightly more complex and they're really struggling to manage the team because they just, there's more conflict that needs to happen. There's more change that needs to happen. And they're just really having a harder and harder time keeping up. And I think that poor person is probably a little bit miserable too, because they're not, who wants to go to work knowing you're disappointing every single day? Like that's not fun for anybody, you know? Exactly. So share a story with me of a time where you did something innovative or different to help you differentiate yourself, stand out, um, move forward. So playing off one of my traits of being instinctual, I can lead and facilitate large groups to find clarity and alignment, but I do it just instinctively and I do it a not a different way, but I just know how to stitch things in at the right time based on the energy in the room. And uh, I, in 2015, took my process, which we now call the Mercury Method, and documented it. And for someone who is all right, I'm done with that. I want to move on. Like taking that time to actually document that process was hard for me. Uh, but it really came to fruition uh, right after COVID start when we had these workshops that were in person, now had to move to all Zoom and online, which we're totally fine. We've been a remote digital team for a very long time. Uh, but to actually move those workshops online and really document the process, bring in some new people and train them on how to do it um, and then have them help evolve it as well, based on, on just kind of the new way of doing things. Uh, and now we call it the Mercury Method. We broke it down from 12 steps to three steps. So again, having other people come in and really help you simplify was, was, was huge for me. But now we have this system where we can scale, we can sort of guarantee those results. And, and it's we don't go A to Z every time, but we've got this toolkit and this way to do things that... I know that when I'm not in the room running these uh, workshops anymore, that it's getting done in the way that I want it to get done. But the the brand strategists that are in those rooms are are using their techniques and, and with our tools to get the really good results. So this is fascinating to me. So here's here's what I want to know more about in this. Um, it is magical to watch a really good facilitator who can read the energy in the room and respond and understand that ebb and flow and pull out the insights and what's really happening and the conversations that are unsaid and right, fill in the blank. It's, it's, it's facilitation is a lot of work, right? And it's a lot of energy and presence. How did you go about teaching others to do that as well? Because I know a lot of people who I think could go through steps, but I don't know as many people who I think um, are skilled at that 
reading and that being adaptable to the moment by reading the energy? I can't actually say I have a process for it, um, but it's finding the right people that are, again, curious and are really good listeners and know how to ask the right questions. I would say what I'm doing with uh, some of my team members is being a little bit of a fly on a wall in those workshops and then providing some feedback after or doing that feedback in the room or restating a question or setting them up for success by, no, this is what you meant to ask to, to help them sort of understand. Um, a lot, though, is is being an instinctual and being intuitive is is a pretty unique talent, and it's, it's pretty rare. So, um, but we all have it. And some of us can, like, feel that energy more than others. Uh, I would say, Tamar, it's really, it, it is, it's listening with your, your ears, listening with your eyes, reading the body language and just being present and feeling what's in the room. But also that's what my job now is with my team is to like, how can I help them? It's not so much me running a workshop. It's how do I help them run that workshop or do something, uh, way better. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. I want to flip it. What What's an obstacle you faced and how have you overcome that? So the obstacle that I'm in right now is my transition as a leader. So transitioning me out of the work. So I'm kind of knee deep in it. And about two months ago, uh, even prior to that, we started getting uh, a lot of work and it sort of was all piling up. And so 
we assigned me to a couple of the projects. And about two weeks into it, I was like, whoa, Emily, this is this is not what we should be doing. We're going to come out of this in fall and we're going to be further behind than where I want us to be. Uh, and we've all known this, but it was that was that clarity moment for me. Like, I got to stop. I got to. I got to just get out of the project. So we've kind of pulled me out of the projects and I'm, I'm still available and, and sort of advising from behind and I'll jump in absolutely wherever I need to. But it was really clear for me that, that I won't grow the business and I'm not going to help my team and help my clients if I don't get out and navigate um, out front. So we're kind of in the middle of it right now, trying to find some more resources and really leaning on my network to figure out how to help um, so I have a personal question for you on this because I really struggle with this, not because I don't trust my team because I really do, but because I like the work and I like the clients and like I can do web stuff if I need to, right? Like I'm, I'm versed enough in everything we have to do that I could just jump online at nine o'clock at night and do some stuff, right? So, which is like my greatest curse ever. Like I can edit a podcast if I need to, but I shouldn't be. So my question for you is on a personal level, what did it take for you to really take a step back and assume more of that leadership role um, and that owner role more from like your mindset and your actions? Uh, it, I've had my coach tell me this. I've even had my team tell me this to get out. Like they, they trust me too. They don't need me, but they want me out front. Um, I think as creatives, I'll never give up a project completely. Like I'll still maybe have one or two projects throughout not whatever time period, because that's, it keeps us on the edge. So I think we need to, to still do that. Um, but I realized I'm never going to get to my growth goals if I don't get out of the way and get out front and, and grow my team, grow the business. Um, I just turned 50 in March. So it's like, wait a minute, it's, it's, it's time to sort of be planning that, 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 um, I don't mind working a long time, but I don't want to be working a lot while I'm sort of easing out. So it's, it's, I want to get set up for success in that transition. So that was a little bit of it as well. Um, so that mindset just flipped when I, when we were putting me into projects. So it just happened. Um, so I'd say coming back a little bit of the instinctual, I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm out. Well, you said something in there that I think is really important and definitely spoke to me, which is um, you said a little bit differently, but basically the fear of being out of touch, right? Like you want to stay on the edge, right? You want to stay sharpening your skills and your talents. And part of working is also sharpening, right? Because you're in there in the thick of it a little bit, seeing what's going on. And I definitely, I definitely have a fear of like, oh my God, what if I let go of being on stage and all the stuff that I do now? Like, will I not even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know? Um, so I have a, some advice for you. And it just happened yesterday in a meeting with uh, Sherry, my brand strategist, and Emily, my client services director, working with another uh, client. And I've been in and out of that project, but they were seeing some challenges with the owner of that organization trying to get into all the projects and is kind of getting in the way. Um, and they complimented me how I have gotten out of the way. And I do ask for check-ins, but they're like, you totally trust us. And I totally do. Like, they do it better than I do. And, and it's, 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 they'll, like you said, you trust your team. I know you do just let them, let them get in and help you sort of get out of the way too. And, you know, like tomorrow, step out, <laughs> <laughs> go move along tomorrow, move along. Yes. <laughs> My web programmer used to laugh at me because I would like, if I wanted to change something, I just jump on and do it. And then I'd crash the whole website. So of course, of course, like you don't get 
the passwords anymore. <laughs> Thank God for going back to the last version, right? <laughs> I would crash shit all over the place. It was horrible. Um, but but I think that's a great thing for a lot of us to think about if we micromanage or if we can't seem to grow, like we keep hitting a ceiling that maybe it's just in kind of what this conversation we're having about, like, where do you step away and allow yourself to grow and your team to grow, whatever that team looks like? Um, and what are you afraid of in doing that? There's a reason we micromanage or jump in. And a lot of that has to do, I think, with like, mine is a fear of being out of touch. And, but for other people, it might be a fear of the quality not being good enough. They don't really trust the people around them, right? Which is usually their own fear, not the people. Um, or maybe, it's, I don't know, there's a million things. But I think for all of us, I think that's something to think about. Well, I will also add, we started, we're creative. So we start with our talent and our passion. And we don't really think about the business as much. So I think it's harder for us to get out of it um, completely. So True. No, no, I think you're... You're right. It, it started with our talent. So then we have to pull away from that once we've grown. It's so scary to <laughs> about it. I'm getting a little sweaty. I don't like it. You can do it, Tamara. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, so what does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator and to drive, just continually drive innovation? So that's that curiosity again. Uh, to be innovative, you got to think differently. Uh, ask really good questions and let's not do the norm. Let's, let's, we're in this huge opportunity with the world as it is to really rethink everything and um, come at it with a different approach. Um, involve your team, collaborate with your clients and your vendors, get people together to help solve some of the, the challenges that you're running into and, and really innovate. And I think you've talked about it in some of your other podcasts about turning the question around like ask the question differently. Um, and I think that's so important is, is ask it differently, come from a different angle or get a new staff member in or bring in someone different. So you have some diversity of, of thought and, and, and have some better, deeper conversations. What do you think makes a good question? Good. Just like that to like, um, make them think like we, we don't stop to think enough. I don't think we take the time to, to tomorrow just ask me a really good question. I got to, I'm, I'm nervous. I got to quick throw the answer out there, but also just, could you just take a second and, and think about it? So I think we need to do more of that. Um, I think it's okay to ask a question with another question to go a little bit deeper. And so you two align to, to go, what are you getting at? Um, what are we trying to solve? Um, so I guess it's deepening the conversation, deepening the understanding. So I love that. And I will tell you, one of my favorite things to say back to people when they ask me a question is, that's a good question. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I think oftentimes the thing that we say on the surface isn't necessarily, it's not deep enough. And it's not always what we really mean. But we need a second, to your point, to think about what our question even is. And we don't, we don't have time to even think about that. And then we answer so rapidly we're not thinking about that. And then the whole conversation stays up here and that doesn't solve anything. Yeah, we're, we're fixers automatically. So we just jump to solutions and um, uh, it, it, we need that time and space to really noodle on what is a good answer? What's a good solution? Yeah, I like that. I like, I like your, um, I just want all of us to think about it. a good question isn't a good question because it makes you look smart or because, right, it, it blows the doors out of something. It's a question that makes people think. Yep. It's a great way to put it. I've never thought of it that way. So thank you for that. Um, 
What is your advice as an instinctual futuristic for other everyday innovators out there of all types who are looking to grow and evolve and, and build their business, whether that's internally or, you know, because they're an entrepreneur? Uh, well, I'm going to now jump off what we just talked about. Give yourself the space. Um, surround yourself with the people that you really trust and people that challenge you and hold you accountable and um, challenge what you're doing. Um, think think about it differently. Uh, again, coming to that sort of getting diversity in the room, you talk to your people, um, figure out where you want to go and is that where you want to go? Challenge that. So I'd say um, just be thinking differently all of the time. One of my favorite things now to do is to block out time on my calendar that doesn't have anything in it. And um, I think somebody told me once that your calendar is not a tool for other people to take your time. It's a tool for you to meet your goals. And that blew my mind actually when I when I first heard that. And uh, it is, I have a million different Calendly th- links out there for people, right? Whether it's a podcast or these discovery calls or new business calls. So people are constantly scheduling time on my calendar. And I got to the point where I just didn't have any thinking time, but people would look at my calendar and go, tomorrow, you're so busy. How am I like, good for you, right? And I'm over here like, I need a moment to just think, you know, but we don't, I think in, in teams, we tend to not reward blank space in other people's calendars. We try to fill, we think everything should be filled. And what I hear you saying is really kind of quite the opposite. Opposite, And I would encourage people out there to think about if you've got a calendar and you've got, you're on a team. So other people are looking at your calendar block out time, just, just think there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually really powerful. Yes. Um, I would also add, um, that time for yourself and it doesn't have to just be time for thinking like your CrossFit, um, working out for me, kickboxing and having somebody telling me what to do and with the group and for 45 minutes, just being very intense. Like I'm thinking about nothing else, but like, I can't breathe right now. I'm going to get through the next 30 seconds. But that that's a that's white space and a clarity moment for me. And I know my brain's thinking some it's happening back there, uh, but also walking, um, just taking time with your loved ones, too, and and just shutting it all off. It, it happens. You know, those moments that happen in the shower, it happens for different people and, or different ways for different people. But I think we need to build more white space uh, into our lives. I agree. And I think there's nothing wrong with that white space coming at five o'clock in the morning. If you like to go to the gym early like me or coming at noon or two o'clock before you go back to the family or whatever, whatever works for you is right. And I think while COVID has taught us some good and some bad, I think one of the good that came out of it is we've started to realize that the whole nine to five model doesn't work for a lot of people. I agreed. So my last question for you is personal. What's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? Um, I am the last of seven kids. There's a 20 year span between me and my oldest sister, uh, oh Ramona, gosh. and I have, I think it's like 42 or 43 nieces and nephews. And I got the honor of walking two of those nieces down the aisle. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a lucky uncle. That is a big, do you have family reunions? Or are they just like, not enough. It's really hard to bring people together. So Sometime I'll share the the pontoon progressive party that we go to three uh, families cabins. So, uh. oh my gosh, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh I love big families. I'm always we have a small little we're a very small tight knit family. But I, every time I go to like a big family gathering or somebody else, I'm like, this is amazing. Like you're all related. <laughs> like, 
How is this possible? Yeah. Trust Justin, me, we don't remember everyone's names. It's too difficult. So Justin, thank you so much for joining me. Really insightful. I really want us all to think about asking good questions and making some space. Those are kind of my two big things that came out of this conversation that I think we should all be paying attention to. So thank you. Yes, thank you, Tamara. Thank you. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.